there is always so much more to the voice behind a microphone. They might tell you about a horrific crime, advocate for their kids, and receive a much-anticipated response from the royal family, maybe even all on the same day. I'm Callie Youngstrom, and this is Keep Yourself Well. My guest today wears mini, mini hats. If you are a lover of true crime podcasts like me, you may have recently come across the very successful limited series podcast with Ralco Radio called The Shell Lake Massacre, a story very personal to her family based in Saskatchewan. But like so many hosts, Brittany Cafe is so much more than just a voice on the mic. She's also a talk radio producer, a wife, a mom to three beautiful children. Brittany is also a medical mama and a tireless advocate for her son and others who have been diagnosed with Down syndrome. She's been on a wild ride these last few years. Let's get into it. Hi, Brittany. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Callie. Happy to be here. Well, this is we're role reversed because I think last time I saw you, you were interviewing me. I don't know about yeah. what, but something way less exciting than this, because you have been on quite the journey the last few years between motherhood and now podcasthood. So I would love to know how along this journey have you managed to keep yourself well? It has been a struggle. Uh, there's been a lot of counseling and therapy involved for sure, which is one of really like the main things that I've relied on through um, you know, with my son Henry's birth, it was quite a traumatic thing, um, just with a lot of medical complications and stuff for me. And then after he was born, we found out he was sick. Uh, so it took a lot of counseling to kind of help navigate through that. Um, and then as well, with all of the podcast stuff, it has been pretty intense to delve into some of the facts that we looked at in the Shell Lake Massacre podcast. So counseling is definitely like my number one wellness tip. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I'm so glad that you're making that space for yourself. What do you say? What is the name of your second? Uh, Henry. Oh, so Henry. I have, yeah, my, my first daughter is Elizabeth. She's six. Henry is four and Charlotte is, uh, she'll be two in November. So Elizabeth, Henry and Charlotte. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Three. Wow. I feel like that's a handful, even when everyone is fully healthy and not having challenges. Kudos to you. So how has that wellness approach changed while you've been working on the podcast? And what? how long has that been? Because obviously there's a ton of research leading up to the preparation for a podcast. Unlike mine, where we just get to sit down and <laughs> chat, you had to do a lot of homework. So what was that timeline and how has taking care of yourself and your family changed navigating that? Yeah, so I started working on the podcast in January of this year, and then we released it in August. Wow. Um, so it was quite a build up getting everything ready. And honestly, I feel like maybe I wasn't the best model of wellness throughout all of that. I feel like I really just sunk myself completely into it and kind of neglected myself a little bit. I was very much like 
highly functioning at work and highly functioning when it came to taking care of the kids. And then I would kind of just like shut down at the end of the day. Um, so I know that if I do end up working on another podcast or doing another type of similar investigation, um, I would for sure try and make myself more of a priority through it. Um, like I've always been busy at work. Uh, I'm a radio talk show producer. It's a busy job by nature. But when I threw in doing my regular job and then also doing this on top of it, because it was really like a passion project for me, um, I felt like very lost in it. By the time like the launch came, I was like, okay, what am I going to do with myself now? Um, so that has really come back to like, okay, it's time to actually remember who I am as a person <laughs> instead of just like working all the time. I think that's such a great reflection and you sound as though you're giving yourself so much grace, which I'm very happy to hear as a wellness coach. I think moms of all people often shame themselves for, I should have done it this way, but I think instead just reflecting on you know, next time, if there's a next time or in the future, you know, what would I do differently? And I mean, here you are still standing after working your normal job, doing a project of this stature and keeping a whole household thriving. I'm not surprised you kind of put yourself at the bottom of the list. But yes, I hope you're starting to creep back up. So obviously, it's been so busy now with promotion of the podcast as it's picking up momentum uh thanks to well sorry not picking up momentum thanks to people like me thanks to people like me being like hey do you just have an hour a quick hour out of your <laughs> very busy day do you mind just you know squeezing me in how has your life shifted now into the promotion component because obviously it's still very busy do you feel like you're starting to find a little bit more balance or does it still feel a little bit chaotic I think I'm starting to find a little bit more balance, especially now that all of the episodes are out. Um, it was a weekly series. So as we released them kind of week by week, that was very overwhelming to deal with, you know, pro promoting it every single week when it came out. Um, that was a lot. So now that we're past that, I think I'm feeling a lot better about it. Also, just the fact that everything is out there now. Um, there's not people who are messaging being like, oh, like what's ha what happens in the next episode? Because that was a lot to deal with and be, like telling people, <laughs> you have to wait I can't tell you like you don't understand um, how podcasts work you yeah the point. like you I'm sorry that. but you have to wait another week um there has though been like the podcast has really taken off it's gotten quite big in the United States and everything like that um so one thing that I've actually found really helpful is that I've set a boundary for myself to stop like looking at the numbers um looking at how many people are listening and I also am not looking at re reviews anymore um for the most part reviews are really great and people are really nice but there are lots of people who just hate the project hate my voice and I like I'm very much aware that it's the minority that think that way but I feel like those are always the comments that you really take to heart um, but people who think something negative are also way more likely to sit down and write a comment than people who think that things sound good. So, oh, I'm so happy to hear you're just, you know, it's out there. It's done. Also, you 
can't get mad about some, something that you can't manipulate. And I mean, no, I can't change my voice. <laughs> also, you've worked in radio a long time. Your voice is obviously lovely. I am so proud of you. I think that's a really good takeaway for people, no matter what they're working on or if they're just existing on the internet, like just don't look at, you know, it's out there. And I mean, I hope that doesn't deter you from doing another project like this because clearly I'm biased, but I thought it was incredible. And I totally would be one of the people wanting to know what happens next and every episode being like, oh my God, I wish it was longer. But that's such an incredible thing to have that feeling of, wanting more and I'm not surprised it's taken off I mean I'm I, I always listen to true crime when I saw you were doing something in true crime I was so excited and then of course like once you listen it's so incredibly done and I think I can't even imagine the weight of a project like this in general getting all the facts straight trying to honor victims and their families let alone having the personal tie to the victim's family. That is a huge underlying current that I'm sure really shifted how you need to show up in this. Not that you wouldn't do the best job, obviously, no matter what. So what was that like being connected to the story more personally? And how did you come to know about the family connection to the story? Because this is still to this day, one of the ran most, the worst, as far as I know, the worst random mass murders in Canada historically. Yeah. So um, to give a little background on what the podcast is about, the Shell Lake Massacre walks you through the murder of nine members of the Peterson family. Um, they were shot in their own home um, by a man named Victor Hoffman, who he had schizophrenia. So he ended up being found not guilty by reason of insanity. Um, and my husband's great aunt is the last surviving member of the family now. So she was 19 at the time and had moved away from home about a month prior. Um, so her entire family, other than her one four-year-old sister, was killed in that house on that day. Um, and I've always known about the Shell Lake Massacre. It's kind of like a in our hometown. So... When I married Tyler and then kind of put the pieces together that Kathy was his great aunt, um, I've always kind of wanted to be able to talk to her about it, but it wasn't something that any of them discussed. It was very like closed off. We don't talk about it. Um, and because of that, like I didn't know really anything about her family at all. I knew what had happened to them but I didn't know anything about her mom, her dad, her siblings. And I feel like that was a similar feeling for everybody in the community. We knew what happened, but we didn't know anything about them. Um, so that's kind of how I approached this project with Auntie Kathy was that I really wanted to sit down and talk to her about her family and share the story of who they actually were as people, as well as what happened to them. Um, so I was able to sit down with Auntie Kathy, um, some other people who were involved and knew the Petersons. Um, and it's actually been like a really beautiful healing thing. Um, I was really nervous kind of taking this all on and openly talking about it. I was kind of worried that people would think that I was like 
using a family connection or kind of taking advantage of how close I am to someone who's so closely involved to the story. Um, but it hasn't been that way at all. Like with people in the community um, where I grew up, they're all so supportive and like are so happy to hear someone finally talking about the Petersons as people instead of just victims. Um, and I think it's really like in the end, it's brought our family even closer with Auntie Kathy and her family, which I think is like such a gift to have had something so traumatic end up turning into like, you know, everyone feels like they were able to heal a little bit because of this project, which is like fantastic. So yeah, really nervous initially. Um, and now I'm just like, I'm so glad that I phoned her that random day and asked if she would be willing to sit down with me. That's amazing. Well, and I think you make such a great point, right? You, I, I listen to so much true crime and I think it's such an art to balance honoring the victims and allowing them to have, I should say survivors. I think that's better language to use honoring the survivors and allowing them a platform to utilize and I think you did that and I mean to know that it was cathartic in some way to allow that reflection and give that voice is so beautiful um so what was it like managing your regular workload because like you said this was kind of a passion project so did you have this idea itching away at you you pitch this project get the go-ahead and then it's all on the side plus having the personal connection to the story and, you know, how your family would feel about the story you're telling and your husband, which I feel like that is just so much, so much to balance. Yeah, it was a lot to pitch it to my bosses and they said, okay, if you want to do it, you take it and run with it. Um, so I did. And it was a lot. Like, I don't think I am like an expert in balancing things by any stretch of the imagination I really just like did what I had to do to make it happen and get by um it was like really honestly quite a shit show um the eight months that I was putting everything together and then as we released it um but I do know that I learned a lot from that and that as I go forward and hopefully do another project like this um things will get better um, and I'll be able to just juggle that work-life balance a little bit better. Yeah. Embrace the crisp vibes of the season with Sweet and Sprouted as the weather cools down and the leaves turn vibrant shades and the snow starts to fly, maybe a little too early. It's the perfect time to nourish your body and soul with their delectable treats. Step into a world of guilt-free indulgence. Their storefront is overflowing with sugar-free goodies that will make your taste buds dance with delight. Dive into decadent desserts crafted without added sugar, allowing you to savor the sweetness while staying true to your low-carb and keto goals. With the cooler days ahead, your eating habits may change and your cravings may change. But luckily, so do the offerings of Sweet and Sprouted's curated selection of snack seasonings, fresh goodies, and bevies to keep you fueled and energized throughout your busy days. Head over to sweetandsprouted.com and enter promo code WELLNESS10 to replenish your stock. Try some new fall goodies, all with an inclusive 10% discount on your order. Use promo code WELLNESS10 and let the magic begin.
Absolutely. Okay. Well, I don't know if you're allowed to say, but it sounds like you've got a future project already brewing somewhere. Yes. Or just a consideration, maybe. It's really just a consideration at this point. After kind of unpacking everything with the Shell Lake Massacre and diving into what a deep impact this really had on the family and the whole community, I think there are a lot of other true crime stories in Saskatchewan that maybe haven't been told on such a deep level. Um, And I do have this platform, especially now that we've launched the Shell Lake Massacre and it's been so successful, we have this platform that we would be able to share stories of other families and of other people who deserve to be remembered. Um, Again, like the Petersons, not just for what happened to them, but for who they actually were as people. So I think I'm in kind of a unique position to explore that. Um, I haven't really settled on anything. There's no real plans in the works yet, but I think it would be something that would be worth doing, like really rewarding work. Absolutely. How exciting. And so, I mean, obviously, even prior to this podcast, you're balancing a very demanding career with a family, lots of responsibility and three kids. Do you have any kind of keys or tips to balancing that help you to succeed in that balance with motherhood and your professional life? Yeah, so the biggest thing for me is having a very supportive community around me. Um, I'm very lucky with the fact that my husband is so supportive. Like we split household tasks 50-50, which I know isn't the reality for a lot of women. Sometimes that just doesn't happen. Um, But Tyler's so good with that. We also have a fantastic daycare. Um, We have lots of different specialists who help with our son, Henry, um, be it like therapies or doctors who help make sure that he is healthy and doing well, which really like takes a load off of my shoulders to know that we have these professionals that we can fall back on. Um, So for me, that's really like my saving grace is having all of these people that I know that I can rely on. Um, So it's not all just on me. Well, I think it's such a great point. Like we've always said it takes a village for a reason. And I think that there's often pressure for mothers to not lean on that village. Like they have to do it all and do it on their own as if there's some sort of prize for doing it all on your own. So I'm so happy that you have that support system. And I feel like that's perfect entry to talk about Henry, if you're open to it. Um, yeah, because your middle child is Henry. And if you're comfortable, I'd love to know like about meeting him and your journey with him, the medical side of motherhood, which is a whole different world of motherhood that you know, often people don't ever have to experience, but it's very much part of your family's life. Yeah. So Henry was born um, September 2nd, 2019. My entire pregnancy with him had been really good and pretty unremarkable. Um, We had like multiple different ultrasounds done and he looked like a typical healthy little boy. 
Um, but when Henry was born, we quickly learned that he had Down syndrome. I recognized right away, like the moment I saw him, I knew that he had it. Um, but it took a little while for the doctors and nurses to kind of figure it out. Um, so he wasn't diagnosed until like a full day after he was born due to myself and my husband, like asking lots of questions. Um, my husband eventually like insisted that someone from the NICU come up and look at him. Um, and then the NICU diagnosed him with Down syndrome. Um, so he ended up spending nine days in the NICU. And while he was there, we also learned that he had a severe heart defect. Um, so he had multiple holes in his heart. Um, there were issues with the valves of his heart, uh, lots of different things going on, which is actually we learned after he was born that it's really common for kids with Down syndrome. About half of kids with Down syndrome also have a heart defect. Um, not all of them will require open heart surgery to repair it, but Henry did. Uh, so when he was about six months old, we went to Edmonton where he had open heart surgery. Uh, and thankfully, they were able to repair all of the issues with his heart in that one surgery, which we're very fortunate for. Uh, so now we're we're at like a good point with his medical life. So he just sees cardiology like once a year for a checkup. Um, we see some other specialists just to like keep an eye on how things are going for him. But he's doing really well. So we're very grateful and very fortunate for that. Oh, I'm so glad. I can't imagine what that experience is like. And a precursor to you advocating him, advocating for him from day zero, essentially, which has obviously now continued to be a theme and I'm sure will be for his entire life. So what is it like being an advocate as a mother? Because I I see on social media, you're not only advocating for him, obviously, you're advocating for all children with Down syndrome and using your platform in such a beautiful way to provide that education. Yeah, it is. It's been very overwhelming. Um, when I had Henry, um, I while I was pregnant with him, I was on like multiple different radio stations, um, helping out with different morning shows. And then when he was born, uh, we kind of had a little chat between me and the hosts who were all still on the air. And we decided that, you know, it would be a good thing for us to kind of announce that Henry had been born and that he had Down syndrome. Um, from the beginning, I didn't want to make it seem like I was ashamed of the fact that he had Down syndrome or that we were trying to hide it. So because I had been kind of in like a bit of a public light while I was pregnant with him, we thought like, okay, this is the right thing to do, like come out strong and let people know like he's here, he has Down syndrome and we think he's fantastic. We love him. Uh, so we did that. And then my social media that day kind of exploded. Um, lots of people started following along just to see what happened, really. I think there is kind of this, like, I don't want to call it a morbid curiosity, but this little odd curiosity that when someone is going through something really difficult, people want to follow along and see what happens. Um, so there was a lot of pressure that came from that for me because there were suddenly all these eyes on our family watching to see how we reacted 
to having a baby with Down syndrome and how we treated him and how it changed our lives. Um, and I recognized that that was a very powerful position to be in. Um, and to this day, I still just yesterday, I was messaging with a woman who just recently had a baby with Down syndrome. It was a surprise diagnosis. Uh, and she said, she's like, I've followed you since like just after you had Henry. And I think seeing your page made me realize that like, it would be okay. And we can do, we can do it. I don't think I was as scared because I saw that you did it. Um, so now that feels great. But at the time it was so much pressure to make it real. Like I was very positive, even when I wasn't maybe feeling very positive, I made sure to really put that out there, which, you know, people, people are critical about sometimes that I like made it really rosy and happy. Um, but ever I, everybody filters their social media, you know, nobody, nobody shows like their, their darkest points or their hard points. Um, and I think especially when it comes to something like having a child with Down syndrome, I, I don't think there would have possibly been a benefit to me have, you know, acting sad or upset or, you know, oh. there was like a, a stage of grief that we went through with it because we were grieving like the life we thought we were going to have and the, the son we thought we were going to have, uh, and now four years in, I realized like, oh, our life is exactly like it would have been like, he's no different than, than any other little four-year-old boy. Like it's, it might take him a little longer to like learn a few things. Um, but he like plays with the same toys and likes the same things. And I don't think life would have been any different, but I didn't realize that at the time. Um, yeah. So I think it was like, uh, it's been kind of a roller coaster sharing our journey with Down syndrome so publicly. Um, but when I think about the people that it has had such a positive effect on, um, and maybe people who have like changed their perception about Down syndrome because of Henry, I think that's a really cool thing. So, oh, that's such a beautiful thing. And really, what is the what is the alternative, right? Like it's something that's beyond your control. He's here, he's now healthy and what an amazing, beautiful gift. And you get to create that positive narrative around something that could be viewed less positively. I think that's so beautiful. And I mean, just such a testament to you as a mother and your entire family. And I'm sure his siblings are learning so much, not only from him, but how your whole family has navigated that Ready to conquer the season with vitality? Turn to Supplement World Canada. As the weather cools, let them help you with motivation and empower your journey to a stronger you. The knowledgeable staff supports your health journey year round. Explore their range of low carb, sugar free options, including protein bars and smoothies to keep you energized without compromising on taste or ingredients. Discover their carefully curated supplements to boost immunity, enhance workouts, and maintain your well-being. And they have an exclusive offer for all of you. Visit supplementworldcanada.com and enter promo code WELLNESS10 for a 10% discount on your order. What are you waiting for? Head to supplementworldcanada.com and use promo code WELLNESS10 to be thriving instead of just surviving this season.
girl, you, I just give you so much credit. You've got such a thick skin between putting that into, you know, the public eye, talking about everything you talk about in your personal journey, the new podcast, like you are putting yourself obviously in this position where you can help so many people and share these stories, but that always opens up criticism, which I think is why so many people never do, right? It's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Someone's not, not going to be happy about how you handle it. So just knowing that you are happy with how you're handling it and the people who resonate with it, right? Those are your people. Like what an incredible thing to know that this mother was following your journey with no idea, right? No inclination that that was eventually going to be parallel to her journey. I am sure that just provides so much comfort to other parents, which not that that's why you were doing it originally, but what a beautiful thing. And I'm sure that the people, many of the people I can imagine who have more negative things to say have no concept of what it would be like to go through a journey like that, you know, until you walk those shoes, you can't know. And like you said, maybe the morbid curiosity, um, do you find that people's questions come off a bit harsh and ignorant or generally does it just seem like met with curiosity and you're happy to kind of, you know, cater to that curiosity how does that go because I think it's such a fine line where people are almost scared to ask questions because they don't want to ask the wrong thing or say it in the wrong way how do you navigate that yeah I am very open if people ever have any questions about um our journey with down syndrome any aspect of our life really um there are times though where it gets like pretty taxing um I'm often met with questions of like, well, how, how could you not have known when you were pregnant? Like, didn't you do the screening? Didn't you do this? And sometimes it almost comes across as if they're asking like, well, obviously if you would have known before he wouldn't be here, which is not the case for our family. Right. So I think if you, if you are asking those questions, it's almost more appropriate to say like, oh, like, did you know before they were born? What was that journey like? rather than like, oh, didn't you do genetic screening? Didn't you do X, Y, Z? Um, I actually just shared a thing in my stories the other day that was like, you know, you, you ask a parent with Down syndrome, like, oh, like how old were you? Didn't you do genetic screening? Didn't you do this? Um, that almost comes across as though you're saying like, well, what did you do to cause this? And how can I avoid this happening to me? And I know people, they're, it's never intentioned like that. Uh, but that's sometimes how it can feel when it's like this barrage of questions of like, okay, well, what was it like for you? Because I don't want that to happen to me. So I'm going to avoid everything you did. Uh, and yeah, I think for the, for the most part, people really are well-intentioned, but it can be very wearing to like have the same conversations over and over again. Um, so really, if you have those questions, you can also just deep dive and creep someone's social media. If you're liking a post from four years ago, I won't be offended. Because um, most, most parents who are like openly advocating, they have posted about, about that story. Um, yeah. You know, I really appreciate you saying that because I think that people's curiosity in that sense can come off as a little bit accusatory and people like you, pages like you, pages that are for knowledge and resource and connection can be really taken for granted and, you know, not necessarily intentionally, but almost taken advantage of, of instead of me doing that work to like, let me deep dive and see if she's already asked, answered that. 
to ask it over and over and over and it can be so exhausting and then the beautiful resource that is you and your family who have opened your doors to us as a community can become burnt out and close off not to say that's what's happening but I think it's a really good reminder for all of us that if someone is there to be a resource especially in a personal way that you are doing it where you know you're volunteering that transparency and open door with your family to do the little bit of work to save the exhaustive component on that so you don't have to answer the same thing you know constantly and I think too it's just I'm sure often people get scared and so the easiest thing is just like let me ask immediately and yeah how beautiful that you're allowing that and I think that's really great advice. Is there any other advice that you feel like as a mother you could offer to families going through unique and challenging situations with health, not necessarily Down syndrome, but just navigating that as a new family in general that you could provide advice wise, as well as advice on how do we as family members and friends support those families well? Yeah. So when it comes to like medical challenges and stuff, I realize that I come from like a place of extreme privilege um, because Henry Henry's disability is something that like it's not it's not easy for us to handle. Um, but we're so lucky that he is healthy and he's able to go to school and be part of any like sport that he wants to do. We're so fortunate. Um, you know, I never thought when he was born, I never thought that I would say like, we are so lucky he has Down syndrome, but I genuinely feel like that. My husband and I have said that to each other so many times because we've gotten to know so many other medical families who have faced challenges that are far greater than we have faced. Um, so, you know, I think taking things one day at a time is really the most important thing. Um, trying not to get too far ahead of yourself in terms of like, you know, when Henry was born, I worried about like, well, what kind of job is he going to have? Where Where is he going to live when he's older? And like, he was a newborn baby. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. And um, throughout our journey with Henry, I think all of the like, kind of status symbols that are like, what job is he going to have? Is he going to live independently in this like big house? You realize how little that stuff actually matters when you're able to just like be there in the moment with your baby. Like they just need you to love them. It doesn't matter what's, what's going to happen in the future as long as you're just there with them in that moment. Um, in terms of supporting families who are going through medical things, um, the, the best interactions that I had, um, were people who didn't ask a lot of follow-up questions. Uh, you know, we sent out some messages to family members and friends saying like, Henry, uh, was born with Down syndrome, kind of announcing that. Um, and my, my favorite responses that I got were just like, congratulations like he's so perfect we can't wait to meet him um the people who asked like a lot of follow-up questions and again like that that aspect of making me like do the work right like if you if you have questions about someone's disability chances are you'll be able to find information somewhere else so don't make a new parent do the work of like explaining what this means to you because chances are they don't want to think about what it means um so yeah just being supportive act as though they just had like a typical baby really that was my favorite things when people would just 
be excited and happy for us and like also bring us food because <laughs> that's such a big postpartum thing and I think often when parents are kind of in the throes of this medical world as well people forget that they just had a baby uh for both the mom and the dad or the partner whoever uh that's deliveries can often be traumatic so just do things that you would do for any other family that just had a baby bring them food uh, presents, offer to clean their house for them, just regular postpartum things. Thank you. That's such great advice. And did you always want three kids? Did you know that you would have three? What was your, I don't know, did you have a plan going into starting a family? Yeah, it's kind of funny because I wanted three originally. And then when we were expecting Henry, um, we found out he was a boy. We were kind of like, okay, let's just leave it at two. Like, it'll be great when it comes to like traveling. Um, it'll be so much easier to have a family of four. We're like, we've got a boy and a girl. We're good. We'll be settled. Um, and then Henry was born and in the NICU and we spent a lot of time, my husband and I driving back and forth to the NICU. And there was one early morning that we were driving to the NICU and I looked at Tyler and I said, I think we need to have a third baby. And he said, yeah, I think you're right. And it's not like, I was also nervous that people would think that we wanted like a do-over or like a, re a replacement, but that wasn't it at all. Um, it was just that I really realized that like, oh, I would do this all over again. Even like that early in, we were like, no, like we have so much more love to give. Uh, so that's why we decided to have a third baby. And I'm so glad we did because like our their dynamic with like Henry sandwiched between his two sisters is yeah. just perfect. Like it's so good. <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. And I know you've talked a little bit about kind of like body image and body confidence on social media. I work with almost all moms, as you know, I would love to know what your experience has been like navigating that world of postpartum beyond just you know navigating postpartum with Henry and then a third and also being in the media which I think adds a whole other layer to that conversation yeah it is a struggle um I my weight has fluctuated so much with every single baby um right now with all of like the stress of the podcast and everything like that like nutrition has not been my main source of focus um so it's been like a real roller coaster of a journey right now I'm like not at my peak uh I'm not feeling my best but I am making a point with my kids like I will never talk negatively about my body in front of them um I don't like hide or cover up my body in front of them because like I have two little girls, uh, chances are they're going to deal with some of the same fluctuations. Cause like for most women, we go through periods like highs and lows. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I want to make sure that like, as I kind of recenter myself and refocus that I'm not telling them that like any state my body's in is good or bad. It's just my body and it's not that big of a deal. Good for you. That's such, you're an amazing role model in all of these different facets. 
in your world, truly. And because I work with, you know, women who are older now and I hear those stories about, you know, that what they picked up from their moms. And as you know, more than I do, little eyes, no matter how little, are watching and absorbing and seeing and, you know, picking up on those habits, even if they're not vocalized. So I'm so glad that that's a focus. And just so glad that you get to, you know, start focusing on prioritizing you more again after, you know, three kids and this giant labor of love project on top of it. Boost your outdoor adventures as the season changes with Element, the science-backed electrolyte drink that keeps you at your best year round. As the weather cools, your hydration needs remain essential. Whether you're exploring the great outdoors, hitting the gym, or enjoying a brisk stroll in the elements, Element is your go-to hydration partner. Their scientifically crafted formula replenishes vital electrolytes lost during activity, regardless of whether it's uncomfortably hot or freezing cold outdoors. Say goodbye to sugary artificial drinks and say hello to pure balanced hydration. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, these essential minerals are in every sip but without the sugar. Stay satisfied and on track with your wellness goals. Visit my website kywellness.ca and click on the Element link under products to discover the power of Element for yourself. With any purchase, you'll receive a free sample pack to try and experience the revitalizing effects firsthand. Let's get salty. Working in media, I feel like because you work in radio, people may assume that there's not a pressure to look a certain way, but working in media, have you felt like there's more pressure or a certain expectation on you in that regard? I am really lucky to work for a company that doesn't really put a lot of pressure on women within the company in regards to that. Um, I do know there are other media companies in radio specifically that are like really hyper-focused on appearance. Um, But I found that with Rolco, they really want to focus more on like well-being. (laughs) So, you know, making, making sure we're just okay. That's a conversation I often have a lot with managers at work is just like, okay, like, how are you sleeping? Uh, how's everything going at home? Um, are you seeing a counselor? Stuff like that, especially with everything with the podcast. I've had multiple conversations about just like well-being. Like, are you okay? Um, not so much how like how heavy are you right now um but there is I think I would say it's more of like an internalized pressure because nature of the beast with media like you I am around so many women who are just like beautiful and thin all the time um so I would say that it is more of like an internalized pressure for myself to like fit in um which I already do fit in uh, so it's really just me putting that on myself. I was just going to say, you are one of the beautiful women. So, yeah, but thank you because it is, I, I mean, even, you know, we're in these modern times and slowly we're hoping that women get all of the same opportunities and, you know, resources and everything else that men do, but there still is that gap. And I think there still is that difference in expectation and the 
you know, I wish we could just let go of that language of like bouncing back postpartum and, and all of these things. It's such an unfair expectation. And I obviously say this lightly, not having children, it's easier said than done, but your body has just done the most miraculous, incredible feats. Like why should we expect it to ever return? Like there's just so much conversation that could be had about that. So I'm glad that you're focusing and that you're working in a company. That's so nice to hear. That's focusing on, you know, mental and physical well-being, because as we know, weight and size is not a reflection of that necessarily. So, okay. On some lighter notes, I would love to scratch my curiosities um, because I see that you've been cross-stitching, which I feel like has to be very therapeutic. Um, I don't think that I have the patience. Okay, how did you get into cross-stitching? Because I think there's a personal tie there for you. And what does it feel like to have that different creative outlet that's totally unrelated to what you're doing in media and investigation? Yeah, so I've been cross-stitching for like a long time. Um, Mom taught me how to cross-stitch when I was little. Uh, So that's always been just like a really good hobby. And then I also, we've actually... Um, my family and I have recently been learning how to do like Métis beadwork, um, because we're Métis and we're starting to really like explore and reclaim our Métis history. Uh, so like a similar thing, a needle, a string, (laughs) it's going through stuff. Um, yeah. And it is like really therapeutic and relaxing and creative. That's the biggest thing for me is having, um, a creative outlet where I feel like very much just like accomplished um working in radio you do this great work and then it's just kind of out there and it's gone and it's done uh so I really like making physical things with my hands that I can like have it afterward um and it's not just like the moment's passed it's out on the air and it's done uh so yeah I think that's kind of like the biggest thing for me is just actually making things feels really good That's really beautiful. Yeah, the permanency and tangibility of something that you can still hold with your hands when it's done. And are you teaching the kids? Are you passing this? I mean, I know they're quite young, but are you going to pass it down? Because what a beautiful thing to go from. Well, and your mom, did she learn from her mom, like pass it down through the generations? Yeah, I'm definitely teaching the kids already. Elizabeth will sit with me when I'm beating and like, she's like designed a few things. She'll like pick all the colors and help me and stuff like that. Um, So yeah, it's like a really good just bonding thing too. And it's a life skill for them really to be able to learn that stuff. So right now we're still at the stage where they just like watch me and help like from a distance. Oh, how fun. My mom's probably listening to this just like dying that I never picked up knitting like she would have which, you know, I just, I don't have the Um, okay. And then another, well, I don't know if you call it a hobby. I don't want to say obsession because that is a fine line, but I know that you love Royal family. Uh, yeah. would you call it an obsession? Oh, I would say when, when Queen Elizabeth was still alive, perhaps an obsession. Now that Charles is king, I'm kind of like easing off a little bit. You're like, don't, don't call me obsessed. Talk to me when Will is in the room. Okay, how did that come about? Because it's so common. People are so interested. I've had another guest on who like, we deep dive that 
again, my mom listening, like she's always just been so curious about the royal family. I've not adopted that. You couldn't pay me to stay up and watch a royal wedding beyond like a certain time of day. How did this come about in your life? Okay, so I have always been curious about the royal family. Um, but the deep love really started when we were getting ready for our wedding. We got married in 2016 and we had extra wedding invitations. And I was like, I'm going to send one to the queen. Um, and I got a letter back, not from the queen, but like from her lady in waiting um, oh. saying that like, unfortunately the queen wouldn't be free to come to our wedding. So um, after that, I was like, okay, this is cool. And I started sending like Christmas cards um, and I got a response back every year. And I sent like our, the birth announcements for each of our kids. Um, and I actually made for <laughs> Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip's 70th wedding anniversary. I made like a little cross stitch portrait of them that I sent and got a letter back and it was like oh the queen's asked me to tell you that like she thought the cross stitch is so charming and delightful and like it was just so cool to be like pen pals from a distance <laughs> like through her lady in waiting um and that really like helped spur the like real love for the royal family um, I also when Henry was born and I sent his birth announcement I also like wrote a letter saying that like he had down syndrome and all of this stuff and I got like the nicest letter back um, that was just like the queen saying like oh the queen has asked me to congratulate you on the birth of your son Henry like just really nice stuff uh, which I thought was fun. So sweet. I love that. Oh, that's so special. I hope you do must have like a whole scrapbook or something. I have them all saved. They're in like this little fireproof folder <laughs> in one of our filing cabinets. Yeah. I'm like, they can never be destroyed. I mean, especially now. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. Speaking of like hobbies or obsessions, was true crime something that you were personally very into prior to this story? Or was it just the fem like familial connection that spurred it? Yeah, I have always been obsessed with true crime. Like growing up, my mom would always have like forensic files or some other show yeah. on in the background. The so I yes. So I like grew up with true crime just kind of in the background. And I've always been curious about it. Um, but again, often some true crime feels like kind of unethical and like almost like they're exploiting or like making things more salacious than they really were. Um, so I think like my obsession with true crime really gave me a good jumping off point to step into this world because I there there are moments in other true crime podcasts that just feel like not right, right. to me. Um, so being able to avoid things that made me feel that way and Mainly the, the biggest thing for me was keeping the dignity of the Peterson family in mind. So there, there are like certain things that I've seen, um, things that I've learned that are interesting, but if those details did not keep the dignity of the Petersons intact, then there is no point in that going out into the world was kind of my perspective. Um, so I feel like my true crime history my history of loving true crime really helped me kind of 
hone in on that and recognize what didn't feel great. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if this was something on your mind, but I think just you being an advocate in these various areas of your life between being an advocate, being related to the family, having all of this incredible journalism experience, you are the perfect person to advocate for survivors of this. And I think if you continue to do this moving forward, which obviously, of course, I hope you do, because I, I don't say I'm your number one fan, but I'm definitely a fan. You know, you do it in such a brilliant way because I've listened to so much. And of course, I think it is. It's such a fine line when you're talking about such heavy topics, you know, what's actually adding and necessary to the story to do it with dignity. So I look forward to seeing what's next. And okay, before you go, I have to ask you a few quick rapid fire questions. Okay. So one of those being, who would you consider your biggest role model if you have one? Uh, my biggest role model, I would probably say my mom. Um, you know, she's my mom's just a really good person and she works really hard and she's had to like overcome a lot of stuff. Um, but she's still like just there whenever whenever we need her. Like we can call if Henry has like a therapy appointment that something's going on and we can't take him to, she'll like drive the two hours here to to do that for us. So I just really hope that I can be like her for my kids one day. Amazing. Beautiful. What is the best advice you've ever received? The best advice ever. And what I always say is just to be kind. That's it. Like it's so simple. Uh, and everybody says it all the time, but I don't think there's honestly very many people that actually just like live by that. Um, but I find if you approach every situation with kindness, you will always come out on top. Always. Oh. Simple, but beautiful and so true. Best book or resource that you would rec recommend to people? Honestly, I don't really even have one. Um, I'm not like, I'm not, I haven't dived really deep into like any books as resources for myself because um, I'm too busy listening to true crime podcasts and reading true crime books. Um, yeah, I would say just generally keeping yourself educated on what's going on in the world. So if you have like a news source that you trust and you feel like you can rely on, just check it and keep an eye on what's going on in the world and what's going on around you because it is, I do feel like it is really important to stay engaged as much as you're able. Cause I know sometimes it's really hard to look at what's going on, um, yeah. but it's important not to just shut your eyes. Yeah. Well, and that's a great point, especially you working in media, you know, we're not getting our not that social media necessarily should be our number one source for news, but for many people it is because I think it does that. It can allow you to take it in in small doses. So I think encouraging people now to find, okay, what's your trusted source that you can actively seek out because it's not just going to come across your feed now with what's happening with media and, and social media, news media and social media. Okay. And then just personally, I have to ask, could you tell us other than the Shell Lake Massacre, which is obviously number one in all of our hearts, your favorite true crime podcast? Oh my gosh, there is so many. Um, Anything by Keith Morrison with oh, Dateline yeah. NBC. I love Keith Morrison. I think he's such a fantastic storyteller. He's I could listen to him, like read a flyer. Is he from Saskatchewan originally? Yeah, he's, he's from Lloyd Yeah, He actually used to work, he used to work at the station that I work for. Um, 
Yeah. So I love Keith Morrison. Anything, anything Keith Morrison, I will listen to over and over again. Um, This is a weird thing, but he is like an ASMR voice for me. So when I fly, I download his podcast and that's what I will fall asleep to when I fly. That's like the only thing. It's very strange, but he's just got that voice, right? Uh, Okay. Personal mantra or words you live by. Definitely back to just be kind. That's how, honestly, I try and approach every situation like that, whether it's just like a really bad interaction with someone or a bad experience somewhere. I know now in this day and age, our first instinct is like, you want to jump on social media and like rag on whoever you had a bad time with. Um, But I really try to avoid that because like there's, there's nothing positive that ever comes out of it. Even if you get an apology or a discount code or whatever, there's really nothing positive that I I find comes out of like being mean to people on social media and in real life too. Um, but yeah, just being kind and taking the high road, I think is is the way to go. I love it. Well, and it's the golden rule essentially, you know, for a reason. We're all just humans trying to do our best and that's such a generous way to view life last but not least for everyone who wants to find you and follow along your journey personally and professionally both your beautiful family and more about the podcast where can they find you uh instagram is always the best place i'm like very seldom on any other app i love instagram uh so it's at Brittany may cafe uh my last name is spelled really weird c-a-f-f-e-t Everyone thinks it's pronounced cafe, but it's cafe. Uh, so after an email cafe, you'll find me there on Instagram. Perfect. We'll link that. And when is your, well, the podcast already, all the episodes are out, but you also have a regular radio show. When's that? Yeah, that's right. Um, We, well, I'm a producer for CKOM. So I'm actually kind of involved in production in all of the shows right now. Uh, things are evolving. Um, but yeah, so if you want to listen to 650 CKOM in Saskatoon, 980 CJME in Regina, you'll hear my voice like kind of sporadically on there. Yay. Thank you so much. I can't wait to hear your voice again soon. I'm going to re-listen to the Shell Lake Massacre and I will keep getting my Britney fix there until you grace us with your next creative venture. And I just appreciate you being here and sharing your time with us so much. Oh, happy to. Thanks so much for having me. That's all the time we have together this week. Thank you so much for being here with Brittany and I. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode every Sunday. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at KY Wellness. More details about all episodes can be found at kywellness.ca under the podcast tab. Don't forget to move your body, nourish your body, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. See you next week and keep yourself well.